0: Oh, I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin.
1: And I'm Mike Fisher, a Milwaukee-based theatre writer and dramaturg.
2: I'm Jen Opoff gray Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company, and this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 88 of Theater Forward. All right. Creeping I up on a
1: hundred. We are. are. Tell us what they want us right. to do for our special centennial uh, editions.
2: That's right. Uh, for this episode, we want to talk about a crucial component of how nonprofit regional theater comes together. The Board of Directors. And I will start us out just by saying that the, the reason this is top of mind right now is because, um, oh, a month or so ago, um, an open letter went out from the board of directors of Woolly Mammoth Theater Company, a great, sort of really progressive theater company in the DC area, which was um, sort of an open letter to boards of directors at theater companies all around the country. And I, I want to just It's pretty short, so if you'll indulge me, I'm just going to read it real quickly because I'm guessing most people listening have not seen this letter, and it really is going to tee us up for the conversation we want to have. So the letter begins, Dear Fellow Board Members of U.S. Theaters, as board members of theaters across the United States, we are dismayed by the news coming out of Chicago about Victory Gardens, a storied organization in our field. Though we may not know all the details, we do know that this post-closure moment is a fragile one. Many of our theaters seek to remake themselves. None are immune to the dynamics that sow division, either directly or indirectly, between boards and staff. While we refrain here from characterizing what happened at Victory Gardens, two facts are public and indisputable. One, over a period of weeks, the board dismissed the staff leadership and then the remaining staff. And two, in the same period and without input from professional artists associated with the theater, the mission of the theater was overhauled. From a theater devoted to producing new plays, it was announced by remaining board members that Victory Gardens will now be run as a rental house for other producing companies. The loss of Victory Gardens as an incubator of new work is a major blow to our industry's ecosystem. At the beginning of the nonprofit theater field, many boards were established as groups of trustees, as distinct from the directors that govern corporate shareholder boards. While each theater's board structure and expectations may be unique, we all have one fundamental role to hold our theater's mission, its principal reason for being, in trust for the communities we represent. Holding a theater in trust this way is quite different than directing its operations. It is a stewardship that requires centering on the art and the artists and trusting their talent and expertise, even as we partner to balance a budget or provide legal and financial oversight. We commit ourselves to that trust at the heart of our job title. As volunteers who dedicate our time to beloved cultural organizations in our respective cities, let us ensure that what happened in Chicago is an anomaly, not the norm. While we do not speak for every theater, we have seen how easy it is for boards to silo themselves from the needs of the artists, administrators, and technicians who work to create the theater they love and support. This is not serving us and our field. To that end, we commit to improving relations between the boards of the theaters we sit on and the professional artists and culture workers who give our theaters life. We add our names here to be publicly accountable to this promise. In addition, we ask that our colleagues and peer board members around, around the country add their names to this commitment. And then they they go on to encourage many boards to think about donating to a GoFundMe to support the staff members um, at Victory Gardens. But that, that's the meat of, of the letter. Um, and I, I don't think it's our intention here to go uh, too deeply into the Victory Gardens Situation specifically, folks are welcome to Google on that. And, and, and you guys may have some comments, but it really did get us and many of our colleagues around the country thinking about boards of directors and how how our companies can benefit from them and where problems can arise.
1: Yeah. And well, I don't I I agree that we don't want to spend this podcast rehashing um, what little is still known at this point of the Victory Gardens thing. I do take slight. I, I love the idea of thinking about this issue and for Willie Mammoth to have put it front and center to the degree that it wasn't already. Uh, for, for various theater organizations. That's a plus. I quibble a little bit with the way they characterize the Victory Gardens situation. I mean, I think on the one hand, they say we're not gonna weigh in on what happened at Victory Gardens and then in the letter they do. Um, and with things that to me are slightly not correct, uh, factually i mean they 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 say well this these decisions were made without input from the professional uh, artists associated with the theater they declined to tell you that the professional artists associated with the theater had already resigned en masse before the victory gardens board made the decisions it did about how to move forward and i just think One thing I would make a plea with everybody listening to this podcast uh, to to do with regard to Victory Gardens is not rush to judgment. We still don't know all the facts of what happened there. We don't know them for legal reasons. The board, uh, as is true with boards everywhere, has been hamstrung in what it can actually say publicly for fear of um, uh, triggering lawsuits by doing that. And I just don't think we have the entire story about what went down. And I think that we are often. And this does go to the heart of our discussion this morning. We are often as artists quick to rush to judgment uh against boards without really understanding necessarily what board's role is and what they do and having a sense that there are two sides to the story at Victory Gardens and two sides in any discussion of the way a board and artists work together is both fundamental to. Theaters working successfully and also important in this conversation, because what, what's clear about Victory Gardens is that the conversation had broken down uh, in really spectacular ways between the board and the artists there. I mean, that we can absolutely say. And it's tragic uh, in all the ways that the Woolly Mammoth letter suggests it is. That's a great, great theater and a huge loss for the Chicago theater system.
2: Yeah, I think part of what really um, put this uh, <coughs> front of mind for me as a topic for us to chat about is that um, TCG theater communications group, the sort of nonprofit umbrella organization supporting and advocating for um, nonprofit theaters around the country. um, They recently had their annual conference there for governance. And so they encourage theaters to send not just staff leadership, but to actually um, send board members to this conference. And um, one of our board members attended, it was great because you could attend by going to New York or you could attend virtually and it made it really accessible um, for uh, our organization to participate. And um, our board member, Dave Kampson came back and said that gosh, his number one takeaway from all the breakout sessions he was a part of, from all the conversations that he had with theater leaders and with theater trustees, was that they were all stressed out about conflict, lack of communication, and stress between boards and staffs? That that was like the number one thing from virtually everybody that he talked to, and um, and that's it's so upsetting because we really we really do need both both of these um, aspects for the company to function, and that's the way legally nonprofits are set up in this country.
0: Well, it's interesting. I was going to say that, Jen, that um, it's it's amazing how many boards and staff actually get along and work well together based on the 501c3 rules that you have to have three, you know, you have to have um, a, a chair or a president, you have to have a treasurer, you have to have a secretary. Those people, good um good governance is that it's not a founder, it's not an artist, so it's somebody outside of the art uh being fiscally responsible, and ultimately being the boss. you know when i uh that's who we answer to as as um the executives of a of a theater company. We answer to the board and and it's already rife with issues. So it's interesting that uh, that for the most part, that works. And I think it works. I will talk about, you know, Forward specifically and a lot of other companies I know. And when you get board and staff talking on a regular basis and staff is a part of board meetings and and board members are a part of you know, listening to a play selection committee or, or being a part of understanding how the art is made, you've, you've got a good relationship. And I think that's where it falls apart, where there isn't that communication. Um, I think, you know, we talked about uh, Victory Gardens. I will remind us um, of, um, as I not affectionately call the summer of our discontent with Skylight Opera Theater. Decided unilaterally that that the executive director should be that position, and the artistic director got rid of the of a beloved artistic director. And there were protests, and there were on and on. I'm happy to report that um, everybody sort of came to their senses. They do now have um, uh, the the more traditional artistic director, executive director, or managing director. Um, set up it they survived, but there was there was a point where I didn't think they would. And that is a classic example of board members not actually understanding how the art is being made. And that's, I think, where we fall apart.
2: It's really so crucial to me that the members of our board, be on the board because they love theater and are curious about how it comes together. Mm -hmm. I think that curiosity is critical. And I will take a curious board member over one with a really um, fat checkbook Mm -hmm. any day. Now I'm not the development director. And I know that (laughs) that many organizations both are good, (laughs) both are good, but I know that many organizations are dependent on board giving to stay fiscally afloat. I get that, but it's to me, I think it's just so dangerous when you have people who are empowered to make decisions about the future of your entire organization who might not actually know anything about or be curious about. And again, I'm not, that's not been an issue we've had here. And, but you, I've heard so many spectacular implosion stories um, about companies. And that seems to have been a major factor um, is, is having a lot of folks making decisions who aren't, And I don't you don't want to force somebody to have to get into the weeds of how an arts organization is run, who isn't interested in that. Right. It's it's a special thing I wanted to throw out. I I was having a conversation um, about this idea of boards recently with our dear friend and colleague, Sarah Marty, who runs the Bolt Center for Arts Administration at the UW-Madison. And um, she knows a tremendous amount about nonprofit structure, the history of governance models and all that. And she was like, nonprofit structures are a relic of the patriarchy. You know, nonprofits were were primarily started by women who were shut out of the for profit world. They were starting these in the homes and and the board structure was imposed by men to keep an eye on them and make sure that they, you know, were doing what they needed to do um, financially. And uh, while I'm sure sure that is only part of it, it was helpful to be reminded of why. why we go through this um, and uh, historically why this governance model is um, a part of how we how we run nonprofits. And that's not just in theater and the arts, but all nonprofits kind of across the country in every every field. well, and it may explain
1: why. Uh, I mean, she's of course a hundred percent. Sarah's a hundred percent right. Yeah. Um, and but it may explain a, a problem that we do not have it forward, but that I have seen at other at other boards in relation to artists and the art, art, artistic side, where because boards in that historical setting were really rightly resented for the role they were playing. What we've evolved into is a situation where. Artists in a lot of organizations, and we've all had these conversations, we won't name names, treat the board transactionally. The board yep, yep. is just there to write paychecks. And Jen, I'm glad you alluded to preferring to have somebody that is really engaged to having somebody that can write a check. Because one of the reasons communication breaks down, I mean, the board isn't always the bad guy here. I mean, when Correct. the board is shut out, when they're just you know told to spend their time, remember, this is volunteers, that's right They've got a lot to do who are spending their time giving to an organization and helping raise money for it and they're just treated as a, as a checkbook. No wonder they get upset and that that kind of exacerbates the tensions that are always in a healthy way going to exist between making art on the one hand and making sure it's made in a financially responsible way on the other. That is just, let's just talk about that. That There's a baked intention to what we do in a capitalist society, you can't avoid it. So the question is how do you alleviate that um, as much as possible? And Julie, you alluded to this, Forward does, it's not just the communications between the staff and the board at Forward. As somebody on, you know, as a member of our advisory company, our artists collective, I'm blown away by the built in systemic structural things that are there to help ensure that the artists who are responsible for working with Jen to shape our future um, as an artistic organization are also being educated themselves. It's a two way street into what a board does. I mean, I've come off a two month stint where I attended a board meeting, which I'm required to do uh, as a member of our artists collective and also had meetings, separate meetings with two board members. We're each assigned one or two board members a year with whom we're supposed to cultivate a special personal relationship. And you just spend time sitting down and talking to people who have a very different perspective in some cases than you do about what makes something work. And not only do you build trust through through meetings like that, and not only is it actually fun, but you have things to take back to the way in which you think about stuff. So maybe Mike, You know, who always wants to do, you know, some expressionist, you know, Mm -hmm. German drama uh, realizes that, you know what, that's not exactly where our audience might be right now. And to listen to that hard in terms of thinking through the kinds of things that we're going to do. So it it really helps me um, as on the artistic side, you know, help advise in a better way in terms of making decisions. And that's because of the board and their unique insight in this organization.
0: Yeah. I agree, Mike. And I, um, what I love, uh, I love that structure that forward has. Um, I also, um, you know what I, I just completely went up. So let's just, <laughs> just a sec. I completely right. forgot what I was going to say. All good. I had something <laughs> I was going to say, so you
2: can let it come back to you. It's all good. Um, I, I just, I think that's, that's exactly <laughs> right. Mike about those, um, those opportunities to get to know each other, because as you also pointed out so aptly, this is a volunteer thing. You want your board members to be people who are volunteering their time because they believe in the mission, just as the artists are here because we believe in the mission and the work. And if we start from an assumption that we're all here to, to make what Forward does possible and better, then you, the healthy respect that can come out of building those relationships. So I I always say, I think our artists have a better understanding and more respect for what a board does and how hard it is, you know, so we don't have those conversations where we'll sit around and go, Oh, yeah. Well, we can have that fill in the blank, you know, really expensive, you know, technical item that we might want. Uh, we'll just get the board to raise the money for it. Like, I, I think our artists really understand what um, what goes into that and 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 how hard our board works and how generous um, they are with their time and their expertise in service of the mission of this company. And at the same time, I think because our board does develop close relationships individually and systemically with our advisory company of artists, they have such respect for how hard it is to be a freelance artist, how hard it is to. Um, to put this work up on a shoestring, um, you know, how hard it is for artists uh, who struggle to get enough weeks uh, for their health insurance or to, to you know, have to be on the gig economy in between theater gigs. Right. Um, and because of that, we get wonderful initiatives from our board about we're going to raise all of the base pay rates for our freelancers or we're going to, um, you know, what are some other things that we can do to improve quality of life for the folks who work with us because we're now seeing freelance theater artists, not as a monolith, but as Mike and Elise and Raina, you know, and and, and folks who we're understanding as people and, and getting insight into what their, their lives are like. Um, and so I think th- those ways in which we make decisions to keep the art and, and the fiscal realities in balance Um, have worked really well for us. But I've seen great board relationships at other theater companies, too. You don't have to have this particular model. Um, But it is, back to your earlier point, Julie, it's, it's challenging because we are in a legal structure, nonprofits in general, where folks with no expertise in what we are doing can sometimes be put in the position of being the boss who make the final decision. The buck stops here with the board of directors. And sometimes you have boards of directors that have no professional or lived experience in the work of the nonprofit. And yeah, that's scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I knew that we, um, we weren't gonna have this conversation where we bash on boards because no, nobody here feels that way and i always think when when i hear um staff members of a theater bashing on their board i think okay you haven't had good conversations with them and nobody sits on a theater board cuz it's a great resume point you get you will not get hired in any place because you have i'm on the board of this theater on your resume you are here because Somebody brought you in. There is something you love about this. And I always have to remind myself, if there's a, a board member like, where are they? Why aren't they showing up? That I feel like it is my responsibility to ask why they aren't engaged. And I think so often, um, it, well, it's easier. It's easier just to say, well, they're they're a worthless board member versus why they said they were going to be on this board. Why aren't they? Why, what do we need to do to get them more involved? And it takes work. I think that um, we can't just ask somebody to be um, a volunteer board member and then expect fantastic things without a lot of communication. And that's exactly what you were saying, Mike, that it's built in at forward, but I'm with you, Jen. I've seen a lot of really great boards and a, a lot of really dedicated people. That um, if the communication is there, so much better, which it sounds like getting back to the Victory Gardens, that's not what was happening. Right.
2: But my my yes and to that is all of that is true. And there have been many instances that we've seen where there have been boards of directors that have really undermined and sometimes closed down theater and other arts Mm -hmm. organizations. and. and and in there, and I've seen circumstances where the staff does all the right things to cultivate their board. and And that's where the this um this system where we have people from outside the field being the the final say in the operation can can be really some you know, you can do everything possible, and sometimes you still have board members that are actively obstructing or, or making worse <laughs>
0: the work of the company. So both of those <laughs> things understand. are true. Yeah. I know. don't understand why you would serve on a board to do that, right. but yes, but, you are. but, but it, happens. It, happens. it happens. We've seen it. We've seen it.
2: There are people who go, who do think this is a good idea, and then have have their own agenda, or have you right. know, um, just uh, they didn't understand what they were sort of signing up for, and no matter how hard the staff works. So, but all of which is to say, both of those things are true, and sometimes things go under because the staff hasn't done their job cultivating the board. Sometimes it's because you have a board that's really not doing the things we need and expect them to do, and sometimes it's not nobody's fault except that communication has broken down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. But all, but we need each other. We
1: have
0: to work together.
1: (laughs) And again, it's both, it's both ways. Right. And we've already sort of touched on this. I don't want to, I don't want to belabor the point, but it's, it's artists needing to respect the board. So yeah, you have bad board members in some organizations who, you know, God knows why they're there and doing what they're doing, but you have artists who can be destructive too, who can manifest an attitude of contempt or, or or cavalier, you know, uh, disregard or taking for granted what it is that a, that a board does, and and you know what's it, it's it starts at the it, I, w- I won't say it starts at the top. What's happening at the top makes a big difference. I mean, I've seen organizations that have far less healthy relationships between the managing director and the artistic director than we do, and I'd like to think the two of you. Are so good at what you do that 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 would have even without the systemic things in place at Forward, which of course, Jen, you had a large role in shaping we would have been to a good place because you both care about and get this and an event diagram sense of management on the one hand and artistic st- or, you know management director and artistic director there's a huge overlap between the two of you you understand each other's roles julie you have a career as an actor i mean jen you have such a sophisticated understanding of the business side so that's already in place for us but if you don't have that relationship with the top and we all know organizations um, where it's not what it should be, that percolates and permeates downward in terms of the relationship that exists because those folks at the top set an example for everybody else in terms of how they're gonna relate to each other.
0: That's so perfect, Mike, and and thank you. Thank you for the, the compliment, I appreciate it. But uh, I also, um, that is, the board takes a lot of their cues from the artistic director and managing director, and if things are falling apart, that's when they feel like they need to kick in and do do some work. And and if they're if they're feeling secure that that it appears things are being managed in the right way, then um, I don't know. And and you're right, Jen. That there's always exceptions. There's probably more exceptions to the rule. But a good board says, I think this is running okay. Things seem to be all right. What do you need from me? Um, Versus I need to I need to jump in here and fix something.
2: Yeah. So so as we kind of circle this conversation back around to where we started with this letter from Woolly Mammoth, I mean, what, what we've just articulated in a whole bunch of different ways is you need artists to respect their boards and you need boards to respect their artists. Mm -hmm. Great. So that is fundamental level. Yeah. And and honestly that, that translates to every single field and every single (laughs) human interaction we're trying to, to shape. Right. Um, But we're also in a situation where we know so many of our colleagues are working in organizations and so many of our friends are board members at organizations where there is not this, this really healthy, mutually respectful relationship. Mm -hmm. So how, you know, how, how, how do we fix that? Right. How do we, how do we as a field now, not Julie, Mike and Jen or forward (laughs) theater, but, but how do we as a field um, reshape things Steer the ship differently, assuming that the nonprofit governance model isn't—you know—in terms of there has to be a board, isn't going to change. The legal codes aren't going to change. Um, how do you, how do we as a field invest in improving this vital aspect of what we do? And and I'm really curious to see whether public affirmations like this one from the Woolly Mammoth Board help move things in a good direction. I'm very curious about that. I mean, also, was it um uh, apologies? Was it Seattle rep? No. That just oh, they're, yeah, they're they're, just
1: dissolved its whole
2: the whole board basically said you know ACT,
1: what, I think. ACT, ACT.
2: thank you. Know, I knew it wasn't yeah. Seattle rep. I knew it wasn't, I knew it was out there. Um, apologies, ACT, but that their whole board looked at at the circumstances happening and said, you know what, we are gonna just resign en masse in order to allow the organization to rebuild a board that may have a healthier relationship with the staff and the theater. And again, I don't know if that's going to turn out to be a successful move for them, but it's a drastic response to some drastic circumstances, right? Um, uh, it, it feels like a like a creative attempt, right? Then you you take a risk and you see if the risk um, pays off or not. Um, but I, I am re- really curious to see whether in the field we will see Actions like that, actions like the Woolly Mammoth letter, prompting organizations that aren't feeling in a really great place to get more proactive about fixing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and I think with the Seattle situation, it raises a, a whole additional, really important issue, which which is sort of tangential to, but definitely part of this conversation, which is the racial uh, and in general equity, diversity, and inclusion makeup of of yeah. a board. I mean, that was not a problem at Victory Gardens, which was run by an African American and had large global majority representation on its board. But in a lot of boards, you get in a situation where incumbency carrying over as a legacy from a different era is largely white or largely male. Um, and you know, I, I, this is something I think about a lot just in terms of myself, the idea of ceding power um, and a recognition, voluntarily doing that and a recognition that you may be taking up space that other people could be be fulfilling in a way that more adequately represents the world we live in and brings different perspectives to bear, so important. And I think that's another thing that we've all been challenged to think about in the last two years and boards are front and center in terms of that part of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I will say, you know, one thing that in terms of where we're going to go, one of the few good things for me that has come out of what the, the pandemic has done to theater, and this is something that's been so important to us as an organization, is we're listening harder than maybe we ever were, and we always listened hard at Forward to the audience. Um, and the board is uh, sort of, you know, they're the uh, primus inter pares representatives in some ways of the audience and what, what an audience thinks. And... If this is making us all boards and everybody on down, think harder about what people want and what we're supposed to be doing in the communities we ostensibly serve. well, amen. I mean, that's a really positive thing. and it, it, the fact that we're all thinking about it hard is is going to be helpful, I think, in terms of building a robust theater going forward. I hope so,
2: yeah. And I think that, you know, this is this is not intended to pat forward on the back, but I think just to, to be one, Um, closely held example of the fact that working more closely to listen to your board, working more closely to involve them in um, your artistic conversations does not automatically mean dumbing down your programming. And I think you can look at the history of the shows that we program here. And I, I think we are for, for our size company in our community, um, we get to do some pretty bold stuff in our programming and we do it with the the real buy in and support of our board of directors. And so, um, I, I just want to throw that out there that it, it can be very easy to think, oh well, if you if you like and work with your board and listen to their way of representing the audience, you're just going to do a whole bunch of revivals and you know old chestnuts. And that doesn't that that doesn't need to be the case. The board needs if the board represents your community and you see your organization, as we do, as a community service organization, then you gotta know what the community needs. And you can do that in ways that stretch them and grow them and challenge them, um, but without inflicting things on them either.
1: Well, and one and one more shout out to to Forward and to a specific Forward member, Ted Wiskowski, who's a member of our board at Forward, is a long time serving member of our literary committee, which is where we start in terms of reading plays that will then be advanced to the advisory company and considered by Jen. And he is extraordinary in not only his open mindedness um, to new ideas and new ways of thinking about things, but in reminding us of exactly your point, Jen, that you know people who don't spend their lives. As artists, Ted is a hardworking, very good lawyer. You know, have the ability and want to embrace new ways of seeing things in in theater, and have been vital to helping us remember that we can appease and make happy uh, and and joyful an audience while still doing exciting uh, work.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe if, if if the maybe that's our ending note. We love our board, and we <laughs> wish a similar relationship
0: to every one of our theater colleagues everywhere indeed and maybe <laughs> things will need to change to do that but yeah. uh yes we, and we god bless that us that everyone <laughs> seasonally appropriate <laughs> right. i love it on that note i am going to
2: say that that's all for this episode of theater forward a conversation about theater in wisconsin the midwest and america thank you so much for joining us i'm jen opoff gray i'm
1: julie swenson I'm Mike Fisher, and our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, who you can see if you're listening to this and in Madison, starring as uh, as Cratchit in the uh, uh, Children's Children's Theater of Madison production of Christmas Carol that is going to be running uh, soon. Um, But right now, he's just producing our podcast, doing an awesome job, as he always does. He makes sure that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, by at Theater Forward, as always. Theater spelled with an E-R.
0: And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. And please be sure to leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you.
2: We're so grateful to have you listening and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.